Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. You know, thankfully, you guys were able to rescue me, uh, you know, the rescue, you might say, from my captivity last week. Uh, so, yeah, I, we're obviously here to talk about the rescue. Well, I also is... know how bad Tarkin can be, because remember, that happened to me a while back, too. So we had to come and get you. It's a real problem. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, you don't, you don't hear... People talk about it a lot, but you know the Empire, not not good. Who would have <laughs> no. thunk? We're like, so glad to have you back, especially after that momentous, uh, momentous set of announcements last week. Oh yeah. Oh man, I just we don't have time, William. Just we don't have time. Well, we have too many announcements for this week. There's to talk good about. news though, yeah, because we got I think a sneak announcement of a new show, but you know we'll we'll talk a little more about that yeah. later when we get to the, the end definitely. of the episode. Uh, but I think cause we're not going to talk about it during the announcements, but oh boy, they may have been saving a show uh, and, and, and not talked about it last week. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I got an opinion on that. If, is it a show or is it the third season well, let's, of Mandalorian? Okay, let's, 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 let's talk know, about that. Let's talk about that. In the meantime, the show. we do have a couple yeah. uh, things. Uh, one, we don't often talk about... Um, the you know what's going on with the cast of Star Wars, but given that the, the Boba Fett's been such a uh, a momentous uh, part of of this of this season, it, it is it's unfortunate and very sad to hear that Jeremy Bullock, who played Boba Fett in the original trilogy, uh, uh, obviously originally what played played Boba was, and, and did the voice, and eventually was replaced by Tamara Morrison, um, but but still you know Jeremy Bullock is Boba Fett. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, and, and it's unfortunately he did pass away on the same day that the Mandalorian uh, season finale dropped, uh, which was a very interesting timing. But yeah, so our our, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, in in happier news, though, apparently, you know, she was in the Bad Batch trailer, but I totally missed her. Uh, but StarWars.com did confirm that Fennec Shand will be in the Bad Batch. Once again, played by Ming Na Wen, uh, so we're getting a Mandalorian uh, tie-in of, of sorts with the new upcoming Bad Batch animated series. I'm really cool. Honestly, there was so much news coming out of that day. I haven't even gone back, and I've been in the process of like moving and stuff too. I haven't even got back and like looked at uh, rewatched that trailer, which was just mm-hmm. amazing. I went back and watched it again today, and I'm like, how do I how do I miss Fennec Shand? I'm excited. You know what? I I agree with you. I've, I've watched it a couple times and the first time through you completely miss it. But then when you see it again and you see the, the announcement, she's going to be in it. Yeah, that was her. Yeah. There's just so much happening over the last, over the last week, just in the world of star Wars that we haven't really been able to, to go in and dissect the bad batch trailer all that much. But anyway, things well, were like as, as podcasters, I feel, I feel almost offended that like, ah, you thought you could keep a schedule. You thought you could have time to talk about just the Mandalorian season finale. But no, we just got to keep throwing more and more and more and more. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why we haven't gotten to our uh, ho- Star- Lego Star Wars holiday special review, just given the, the massive amount of stuff that's been happening. But we will be well, getting you, to that. You also have to realize, you have to realize there was no, um, I think this year was supposed to be a D23 Expo. There was no Comic-Con. Yeah. There was no nothing, really. So there wasn't any way for the news to get out, except for that whatever Disney thing that they did a couple weeks back for investors. And that's where all the information came out, which that was a ton Tom, and I hate to break it to you. Toes. That was only a week and a half ago. <laughs> that was? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, my God. Just that, can't can't do it. No. Oh. That, that felt like, oh, my God. It didn't feel like it was just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have a, a, a momentous episode of The Mandalorian to discuss today. So, Tom, why don't you uh, tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about today, if they don't already know. Wow. Well, we are going to be talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 16, titled The Rescue. This was directed by Peyton Reed and written by Jon Favreau. In this episode, The Mandalorian and his allies attempt a daring rescue. Now, and I'll, boy, I'll, was it a rescue. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, 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 sh- I do want to point, call out something, though, something interesting right off the bat. I could have sworn that Jon Favreau said he would be directing an episode this season. But mm-hmm. it turns out, uh, no, this was um, Peyton Reed is back. He, he directed the second episode this season. He's back for another episode. And, oh, man, he did uh, an incredible job. I, I I'm continue to be impressed by the directors of The Mandalorian this season. I, I think Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez are two of the standout directors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, my goodness, every single episode has just been... Uh, so it, so phenomenal. Even though we saw this kind of pattern, I'd say, with the first season where it started out really strong and then had a couple of weaker episodes in the middle and then finished strong, I was still, mm-hmm. I think, surprised by just... They just, like, the last two or three episodes were just... They all nailed it. They were solid. They were yeah. very solid episodes, very well written. And, and really... I... I Go back and listen to the other two podcasts we've done for the past couple episodes and then listen to this one because they all three were very impressive and and great. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, you know, th- this episode, though, it starts out with uh, Slave One pursuing Dr. Pershing's Lambda class shuttle. And uh, basically, he immediately did. This this guy, Doctor Pershing, he just loves like as soon as he's captured, he's like, oh yeah, I'll help you do whatever you want, you know. I'll t- I'll tell you where where the child is in season one, or I'll uh, uh I'll I'll help you out, give you all the plans. I mean, Kara was even a little skeptical of him, um, but you kind of feel sorry for the guy being in the wrong place at the wrong time every time he's there. But <laughs> exactly. then you're also looking at yeah, and then you're looking at it from the point of view of is he really in the wrong place at the wrong time? Does he really want to help the child or does the guy have an ulterior, ulterior motive? I mean, sometimes it's a little too easy. He wants to help. I almost wonder if he like, he, I almost get the impression maybe he has a good heart, but he's just so interested in the science that he's still working on. It. I don't know. We get confirmation. I'd that agree he with is that. a clone engineer, uh, right. which we suspected. We suspected he was a Kamino engineer, but that, that's confirmed. Um, so I don't know. I, I think maybe he's just so obsessed with his with his work. Hmm. I can see that. Like you got to imagine, there's not a lot of cloning going on. This is the opportunity to not just clone, but also, uh, you know, involves the M count, which has got to count for something. Yeah. Sorry. What what was that, Stephen? 
the, the M count? Yeah. What? 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 What's? What? What is M count? What? What is that word? It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 that's a great question. Well, I mean, one of the things I love about Star Wars is they don't feel the need to explain what an M count is. It Which can I be totally kind of a, It's with. a mystery. That's why it's an M. It's a. It's a mystery it's thing. A mystery and count. It, it seems to be related to force sensitivity, but you know, we'll never really know for sure. It's. It's too bad. <laughs> You're just going to have to replay episode one to figure it out. But I think we just stay with the M count. I love it. I love it. Um, but no, I thought this, this scene was really cool. You know, I, I thought in a lot of the space battle sequences, you really feel the, the inertia and the, 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 the force of everything as like, you know, even as slave one is like pursuing the Lambda shuttle, Lambda class shuttle. Um, or, or later is, you know, the Lambda shuttle is trying to, to dock or land on the on the um on the imperial light cruiser you just all the ships the ships feel heavy and like there's a lot of force mm. behind them well and also the the best thing about it is the dog fighting and don't you just love how here's boba fett in his in his ship able to take out the shuttle with an ion cannon i mean isn't that no the relation coolest thing yeah yeah n- <laughs> no relation but still yeah it was and you know um I mean, this, it's funny talking about this now because it feels so like minor compared to the events that happened later. But I, I still really like the dynamic with the the two pilots. You know, the one pilot starts to, the, the co-pilot starts to make a deal and the pilot just shoots him and then basically starts taunting Cara Dune because he recognizes the teardrop on her, mm-hmm. on her face, which again, we get another confirmation. I... Go ahead. No. No, I was just gonna say I I laughed really hard at that scene, and I think that makes me a horrible person. But really? I just I just I it was just one of, like having the Imperials. I'm like boohoo, your planet got blown up. Who cares? I was just it just was so deliciously evil. No, is but, I think how I would describe it. But you see what what I what I found very fascinating was she's sitting here saying yes, my planet was blown up. But he turns around and says the or or to a certain extent. The millions of people on the Imperial side that died in the two uh, Death Stars. I mean, so so you're seeing the juxtaposition of a full planet being destroyed where she's kind of crying about it. And now you've got this Imperial who kind of hates her because it was the Re- Rebel Alliance who destroyed two Death Stars and all those people died. That dynamic I found was fascinating. I mean, it's something especially the guy had a death wish. It's been something that's been covered in like books and, and just yeah. discussed in the fan community in the past. I think this is one of the first references to it in the, um, like I could be wrong, but like in the in Star Wars live action at least, you know, mm-hmm. like hey, you guys killed a whole bunch of people on on your side too. Now it was for a, a good cause for the right reasons, but right, but still, um, you know, it it makes for a really interesting dynamic, uh, and of yeah. course. Gets one of the upset. things I really enjoyed it you mentioned you know the the one pilot shoots the other is it's really interesting to see how the the empire has been characterized in this kind of post return of the Jedi era as well mm-hmm. um, we've seen bits and pieces of it here and there in some of the novels and so on but like I I like that we're seeing things like well in some cases the empire is uh, like at the beginning of season one of the Mandalorian, you've got these dirty, dingy stormtroopers, and that's all that's kind of left. Then you also have Moth Gideon, who is, you know, I would call him almost like a true patriot in many ways. And it's that seeing that dichotomy between the two is the Empire is falling. It has fallen apart, and these are the types of pieces now. Right. Uh, you know, a pilot who would surrender to the Rebel Alliance would never have made it before. Right. Um, it's just, I. it's a really cool way that they're, 
building out the universe. But technically that almost happened here because you had that second shuttle pilot kind of almost try to do a deal saying, look, I'm not like mm-hmm. him. I'm not as crazy as he. Oh, oh, my God, he gets shot in the back, you know. So and then you go back to last episode where you had that one imperial officer inside the mess hall just go, you know, the 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 universe needs order. You know, and and how you're seeing that play out to where there are the Imperials who are still there because you almost want to look at it as there's really nothing else for them to do but stay in the Imperial side because they don't want to defect. And then you've got the ones that are the true believers. And you saw both of those, in my opinion, as the two shuttle pilots. And that's one of the things this show does so well. It's just fleshing out both sides so much more. I'm just really... I, I just continue to be impressed by by the world building this show does. Um, but you know, so switching gears, Slave One then flies to a, an industrial planet. I don't think this is this is doesn't look like Trask where we saw Bo-Katan and Koska Reese before. I think it's some new unnamed planet and um, kind of industrial. Uh, I, I for a brief second I wondered could it be Lothal. Uh, but then I realized, nah, it doesn't, doesn't really look like Lothal. Um, and, and, but, but they basically go and recruit Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves as we had guessed, you know, so now we've got Fennec Shand, Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, Koska Reeves, Cara Dune, the Mandalorian, and of course, assistance from Dr. Pershing. Like they're really bringing together everyone. It is the dream team. (laughs) It really is. Right. (laughs) Just dream team through and through. Yeah, like and uh, I, yeah. I was. I I also loved the immediate. Uh, I don't know. Rivalry is the right word between Koska and Boba Fett as well. Um, and I. And there's a part of me that I think that is you know as someone who's a Star Wars fan for a long time, you know, th- there's the line that's not like you know not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters. Uh, it's kind of a dig at Boba Fett, and I. I just love Boba Fett's the OG. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett was cool before there were Mandalorians. And so watching the two of them go at it uh, and even hold their own. I like the fact that Koska kind of managed, I think is the word I will pick uh, just awesome little sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that, you know, it's the dream team in that it's, these are all characters that we've uh, either loved for a long time or really come to love over the season. Uh, and, but they're not a perfect team either. There's mm-hmm. tensions and, things in between them that will uh, lead to some conflict in the future. Right. Can we talk well, about I, how awesome love, that jetpack spin was as well? That, that, that was awesome. I, I thought also what was, what worked for me was Bo-Katan sitting there telling uh, Boba Fett that, you know, it's the clone voice that she's heard that That's so right. many thousand times, you know? And then also it's like, you know, because and, and she's looking at him going, your father was a donor. It's like, does she really know that this is, Yes, this is Boba Fett, a clone, but not a clone that was an actual stormtrooper. This was a clone that was not altered, that didn't have the rapid aging like the other clones. This is basically just a clone growing up a natural way. I love this. I think she knows it, Tom. Mm-hmm. I, she's taunting Boba. Um, and oh, you oh, you could definitely tell she was taunting. But but it's just it, mm-hmm. it was the coolest thing. Just I hate to say this to see that taunt was just the coolest thing to see. Yeah, and it's just like seeing them now together in in this show 
and getting like having seen rebels having seen the clone wars it's just so so cool because we we know that in like in the clone wars bo-katan fought alongside clone troopers in the siege of mandalore right so she she knows the clone troopers so well she has heard them heard his voice you know a thousand times and by the way i did love boba's reply might not be the last one you hear it's so such a cool such a cool line um and, and I think over the course of the scene, we kind of see Bo Katan realize that, you know, if they had, if the Mandalorians had put up this much of a, of a fight in the first place and had this much of a spine, they would have never lost Mandalore. And, and that, I think, speaks a lot to how we saw in the Siege of Mandalore, the Republic came in, they, they helped the Mandalorians, and they just stayed. And then, of course, the Republic became the Empire. And I get the sense that Bo Katan is still, um, she's still angry that the Republic kind of betrayed their trust. Yeah, it's okay. interesting because there's also, I think, a, uh, not just a betrayal, but it's, you see, especially in this episode, her plan is kind of on the flimsy side in terms of what her uh, intent is with Mandalore. Mm -hmm. Her plan is to get the Darksaber and then but she believes that will be a symbolic uh, gesture that will somehow give her everything she wants. Yeah, and as we learn, it it doesn't, you know, or or it doesn't go the way she had planned, um, which I think is a super super interesting dynamic as well. Just the fact that you know we, we see later the Mandalorian he gets the dark saber, he he defeats. Moff Gideon in an awesome sequence. We'll we'll, we'll discuss uh, in a bit, and uh, but but Bo-Katan now can't. She all of a sudden can't take the the dark saber, and it's so different than what we saw in in Rebels that I was taking it aback for a minute because why why couldn't she take the dark saber? And that that's what I was going to bring up. It's like. We saw her in Rebels. Sabine Wren did not want that Darksaber. Mm -hmm. Sabine Wren basically handed that to her. Why is it all of a sudden at this juncture she cannot accept the Darksaber that, you know, again, you've got a character that doesn't want the Saber. And it's not that he probably doesn't want the responsibility. He probably doesn't know the full story behind it because technically in her eyes he's not a true quote-unquote Mandalorian. And since she's the true Mandalorian, she's the true ruler. Why doesn't she just accept, like she did before, the Darksaber from him that's interesting and yeah, I, I wonder uh, sorry go ahead William no please Stephen I was, I was just wondering like I wonder how much of that is uh, retcon and how much of it is some you know a reflection of how Mandalore has changed at this point mm -hmm. or maybe it's not sufficient anymore that you know great you you were handed this you know this symbol of unity you didn't earn the symbol maybe Bo looks at it as of a, I, she has to earn it in order to be able to really unite the people. And as we've seen, you know, the Mandalorians are very divided at this point. You know, we know we've got Din Djarin's kind of um, sect of the Mandalorians. We've got Bo-Katan's group. Um, and clearly Bo-Katan is not, you know, surrounded by a massive army. Uh, there's probably some more she needs in it before, you know, she's got that. So maybe I wonder if that plays into part of it, perhaps. Yeah, I almost get the sense, I was thinking about this more, because at first it really bothered me. Why wouldn't she take the Darksaber? And you could tell it bothered um, Din Djarin too, which I appreciated, right? He's like, well, this is stupid, just take it. 
And, you know, Bo-Katan refuses to take the Darksaber, and, and Moff Gideon is just sitting there gloating. And as I thought about it more, I wondered, uh, you know, I, I I wonder if maybe her rule wasn't, wasn't accepted early mm-hmm. on. Uh, and we don't know what happened, and, and we don't really know why Mandalore fell to the Empire. It sounds like they just didn't do much, because... Again, she said, like, if they had more spine, they would have ne- never lost Mandalore in the first place. But I almost wonder, like, did did she try to put up a fight and the Mandalorians didn't listen to her? Because they didn't respect her as the true legitimate ruler of Mandalore because she hadn't won the Darksaber in battle. And so when she lost it, she now knows, I can't just pick it up again. I have to be- defeat defeat them in battle uh, in order to to be legitimate going forward. I don't know. Now, I think they they could have easily just sworn a pact and said, Let, let's all pretend that Bo-Katan got it and no one outside of this room will ever know. Um, okay, but, but wait yeah. a minute. If that's going to be the case, they're going to have to get rid of Moff Gideon because as you saw in that, he really was digging that in. Oh, you said was. it yourself. He just played mm-hmm. that card like you would not believe and you could tell here's Bo-Katan feeling very uncomfortable because you know what he she knows he's right she cannot take that saber there was the opportunity for her to do it the second time but that didn't materialize yeah yeah so I don't know I, I, I hope we find out sometime it's tricky there's something is going on and I you know I think it'll be Obviously, that's that's one of the stories that are left open ended for the next season, um, as far as what will happen with, you know, the the dark saber and the rule of Mandalore, and I don't know. I think they've set themselves up for a a good story for that. Yeah, I think it has yeah, to that's be, one, be of the, one of their big focuses. I think it has to at this point. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, the the I really loved the the whole sequence where they uh, where they land on the on the, the light cruiser too. And we talked about this a bit earlier uh, when I was talking about the, just like the um, where you could really feel the you know, kineticism and and just how um, oh yes oh like the the whole sequence mm-hmm. of landing on that that ship was just beautifully I- shot. Even the battle as well of, you know, Boba Fett playing the role of, you know, pirate just felt like, I guess, I can't remember what all happened in the previous episode as well. You had a little bit of, I think, in the previous episode. Um, But like, you both know, everyone here knows, I am the ship person. And just like that type of sequence just feeds my soul in so many ways. From the launching of the TIE fighter, like that shot of it going out through the kind of the front, uh, I guess, mandibles maybe is the word. Mm -hmm. I'm not... 100% 100% sure. Almost like a launch tube is how I looked at it. Yeah, exactly. Like that, yeah. it just feels so good. And the, you know, watching Slave One with all of those classic sound effects um, is just, it just feels right, is the only way to describe it. And followed by the crash landing of the Lambda shuttle inside of the stormtroopers screaming, like, what are you doing? No, this yeah. is, did you not read the one way signs? Now we're going to have to get, like, we're going <laughs> to. And then, and then, basically, when the uh, loading dra- uh, the ramp drops, all hell breaks loose. Oh, That's so just good. that was just I, the the one thing I have I, I've got to call this out. The one thing I really loved 
as the shuttle's coming in, you see the shot of the deckhand basically sitting there, you know, basically telling everybody to get out of the way. But what I really loved is there was that one TIE fighter that was just getting into position. I love that little bit of added, as soon as it stopped, you saw it swing forward that bit and and back. I mean, just that little and, bit of life. Just, and, the, and the pilot going like, hey, what, what's yeah, going what's, on? Like, yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh. Every tiny little bit was just, I, I feel like this episode was just perfectly shot perfectly um i was gonna say animated but no but like the even the cg was so so good i, I just Especially on the dark troopers you have to admit the dark troopers when those things finally came alive yeah that was really cool wish they were a little quicker in, in their uh, action, no, no, but, no no hang on i uh, this is my i'm gonna die on this hill tom you better go be ahead. ready for this go ahead all right so here's the problem the whole plan is, all right, Bo-Katan uh, and everyone else, they're going to make a run for the bridge, capture Gideon, which, of course, is what Bo-Katan is here for. And they will also be a distraction for the Mandalorian to get to the Dark Trooper Bay to shut it down. So they, you know, come out guns blazing out of the Lambda, and they're off and running. And then the Mandalorian strolls out, you know, takes some time to, like, brush some dirt off of his shoes. I see what he you're saying. He saunters over. I and yeah. Saying. Of course, the dark troopers got out because <laughs> yeah. he like. There's so many times I'm like, do, do you want to like not? I realize your like image. You got to walk to be cool and stuff, but uh, <laughs> you do realize what's going on right now, right? Mm-hmm. No, and, and you're so right. A specific Steven. amount of time too. <laughs> I mean, they they really had to quote unquote charge themselves up within a certain amount of time because I think even Gideon said, or it was Doctor Pershing, that they can't be fully charged they have to be charged up when they're ready to use if they're fully charged or they're they're, they're they, they run the risk of like i think draining power from someplace else in the ship so there yes even there in the was star wars universe batteries do not have from enough zero power. to 100 that he should have ran to make it there in time yeah the the, the fight though was just incredible like the, oh, the f- yeah it Go was ahead. so brutal and just you can just really see how deadly even a single dark trooper is cuz he did manage to to close the doors but not before one escaped the cold storage room. And right. like it took almost everything he had to take it out. It well, was it wasn't a really just that. Cool how the, the, the brutality of the hits, and you see the helmet, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Mandalorian shoved into the bulkhead. Oh. E- with each hit, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then the then the best thing was you got to see him use the the wrist flame thing, which that was like, huh, you think that's gonna harm me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only the Beskar spear is what eventually took him out, um, and and that just shows again just how how tough these guys are to beat. And I love that Doctor Pershing confirmed, like they didn't even have to do this, but I love that Doctor Pershing confirmed that it's the Phase Three Dark Trooper. Mm-hmm. You know, because we talked about mm-hmm. this in the past. Mm-hmm. Three different phases. The first two phases had humans inside. The first, the last one did not. We were like, oh, it looks like a phase three dark trooper. And we were all excited and stuff. And Dr. Pershing, there's even a line of dialogue where he's like, oh, yeah, phases, you know, one and two had humans. But in phase three, we solved the the last weakness with the design uh, by getting rid of people out of out of the suit. That's a great line. Yeah. Robot. And it's something they didn't need to do. But the the fact that they just included it. Is a, is a phenomenal throwaway for uh, for it's, big fans, but I, I think I think the best thing about it is it's a throwaway for the big fans like us who who just like know this, but it's also something to our people who are not aware that this actually existed. 
it gives them how it started and now where it's at instead of, oh, these guys just appeared out of nowhere because they're bringing droids back. No, there's a logical reason why it got to this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually really cool because just what yesterday I was, uh, as we're recording, it was like the day after the episode dropped, I was unpacking all my old games and I, I came across my copy of, um, of dark forces, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with the featured the dark troopers and the old, old dark forces guide, you know, on how to how to wow. play the game. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. This is like perfect. Timing. I love that game. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing game. Yeah, it was yeah. a fun game. It was. It was. But that really brings cool. us to issue number two in the episode, William. Okay. Oh, okay. bring it up. The Mandalorian defeats the first dark trooper narrowly, and then he pulls the convenient lever that vents all of the dark troopers into space. <laughs> and I think one. There were a lot of great reactions to the episode. I think one of my favorites was from Emperor's New Groove with the the line of, why do we even have that lever? <laughs> what What is that there for? Yeah, well, why? Like, I guess maybe they want a quick exit up for the ship so they can, you know, uh, uh, so they can get out into space and attack or whatever. But uh, you know really, what? that okay, seems actually, like a really dumb move overall. I, okay. But your but, explanation, I, I can see that happening. I will... I will accept that, I think. Well, you know, because like two episodes ago, right? Yeah, I know. Grogu was sitting on the seeing stone and they had to get the dark troopers out. I could see him sending them out the out the airlock and just flying straight down. But like, I don't know if I was designing my my cold storage room for my super, super top secret, you know, top of the line, uh, state of the art, uh, um, uh, you know, war machines. I might mm-hmm. put the door, I don't know, on the other side of the hallway, the airlock on the other side of the hallway <laughs> for my cold storage instead of in the cold storage. That's just me. Okay, to, to kind of take Moff Gideon's side of this, maybe that's all he had to work with. That's true. And he had to modify this to work for the Dark Troopers because really, how much do we know the Empire has by way of ships? This happens to be his. This worked for him. I mean, go back to the episode where... Um, we first meet Bo-Katan, that the same thing happened in that episode. You had the guys in the cargo bay that just happened to be on the wrong side of a lever that also got spaced. Well, yeah. not spaced, but sucked out the door. So, you know, you know, levers levers come in handy when really you have to ask, why are they there? It's funny, though, because like I should have I should have expected them to come back. But when they when they're all blown up the airlock, I was like, oh, OK, they, it's done. And oh, I, and well, I relaxed. Yeah, that's, yeah. no, no. And, now, it's, and I shouldn't have. That was of, that was a fatal flaw. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things in which if you call attention to something, mm-hmm. you got to use it later. Well, they called attention to them being sucked out the airlock, and since you have been, it's been established the human factor has been taken out of the droids. They are droids. You think they're not going to come back? Yeah. And we've seen them fly. And I, yep. I appreciated that it it sets up. We've established their the threat of them, neutralize them temporarily, so we can you know deal with the rest of the episode that we care about, uh, and then we again set them up for return for, you know, uh, yeah, a moment of you know their choosing. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. shall we say. Yeah. But first, you know, uh, uh, Cara Dune, Fennec Shand, Bo-Katan, and Koska Reeves blast their way through the ship in a very cool sequence. Like I just loved there's so many moments where they were just kicking butt and taking names and it just looked incredible. The choreography was outstanding. Uh, I think go go ahead because I I have my favorite, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I'm curious what yours, my favorite sequence was when 
uh, uh, you know, they're walking along the catwalk and the stormtroopers show up in, ahead and Bo-Katan and Koska mm-hmm. just jump off of the sides of the catwalk and go down below uh, near the um, the ray shield leading out into space. And when the stormtroopers come and flank them, they, they fly back up and just take them out from behind. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It was so, yeah. so good. Okay, Steven, do yours and then I'll do mine. No, I, I was... That would have been mine. Um, I think the other one that I would call out that I appreciated was uh, Fennec Sean in the cargo bay, I think mm. I would call it. As she uh, works through don't. and just yeah. methodically takes down every single stormtrooper that shows up in front of her. That that was my favorite because I think the choreography of that was great because you see her do like the... She did the thing where she, she did a roll and as soon as she came up... There was that stormtrooper that was right between boxes, like perfectly framed in between boxes. Just mm-hmm. nailed him from that role. Just the choreography of Phoenix Shan in this during that whole battle was just outstanding. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, every just I've just been so so impressed. Um, yeah. You know, and then another one I again I should have. Maybe I was just so wrapped up in it. I should have seen this coming, but the Mandalorian, he walks into, because we find out Moff Gideon, oh shoot, he's not on the bridge, right? They get to the bridge, he's nowhere to be found, and they blast all the bridge crew. Uh, you know, cut to the the brig. Din Djarin walks into the cell where, uh, where Grogu is being held, and there's Moff Gideon with the Darksaber, and they, they have their talk about how, you know, I have, I have everything I need from Grogu now in order to bring order to the galaxy. You know, his typical bad guy spiel. <laughs> um, <laughs> his his, his uh, I mean, monologue, I think it's called. When, when you're right, you're right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Well, but And that's the other thing. We've always said when it comes to the Sith, the Sith basically are telling the truth. He may not be a Sith, but he was telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I love just I just I love Moff Gideon's character and John Carlo Esposito yeah. just does an amazing job playing him and just you know just the way he's like oh yeah you know he, he always assume I always know everything right he's just so good and then all of a sudden he he kind of flips and he says mm-hmm. you know as they're talking he's like I he says that you know I see your bond take him you know yeah you can't have the dark saber but let's go our separate ways and. Right. That really surprised me, and it shouldn't have, I guess. But I thought, wow, maybe maybe he is going to let him go if all he needs is the blood. And I guess he doesn't really have a See, need for Grogu. And this is why you wouldn't have a head, William, because exactly. you would go, you pick up baby Grogu, and uh, you know, Moff well, Gideon in would the situation, turn. And... I might be a little more skeptical, but uh, I let right. down my guard for just a second, and then boom, Moff Gideon attacks. Yeah, but you see that that also calls the reason why um, Din Djarin now has the Basker spear, because if he didn't have the Basker spear, yes, he was able to hold off the dark saber just with his gauntlets, but that gave him the spear to actually do battle with him. Because you know what what can go up against a dark saber other than a lightsaber, which he did not have. Oh, we're getting to that one, but um, the Basker spear actually helped him in that fight. The one thing I appreciated and I thought was the, the cruelest thing was when Moff Gideon had the dark saber above. Grogu's head, and he was casually just waving it above his head. You know, I could easily take him now, you know, but Baskar, but you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, Baskar. Anyway. 
Yeah. It was a it was a really awesome fight sequence. And I'll, I will say the one thing I was a little surprised by is they kept showing shots of, <laughs> excuse me, where you would see uh, the spear glowing in the middle mm. where it was, uh, I, I thought it was going to snap in two That's after okay. like repeated cuts. Uh, it does not. The, I'd actually say the fight did not last long enough for that to happen. And let's talk about how cool it is to finally see a duel with the dark saber in the show. Like it's been, we saw it first appear in season one, but just, I, I feel like this fight totally delivered. And it's, he's, he's lucky he has Beskar because mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, all over his, 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 his body. Cause he would have been dead so many times. Uh, many, many times. Over. And I think it really reinforces why Beskar is so valuable. Because it can withstand just so, so, so much. Right. And, and here's the other thing, though. He's got pure Besker. What about Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians? Because they've been fighting so long. That Besker armor probably has taken, like, hits. May not be as pure anymore. You know, I know the, the armor's been passed down and passed down and passed down. If it goes for so long, does it lose any kind of integrity? He's got pure Besker armor. Yeah. So it could hold it. And that spear was again, they said it again. That was pure Besker. That's a good point. Yeah. So, and like we did see Bo-Katan get hit later in the episode, but, um, but yeah, actually, can we a, talk about that for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. So I, this was probably the biggest surprise for me in the episode is, you know, they're, they're on the bridge. Uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, what's going, going to happen with the dark saber and so on. Um, Moff Gideon has managed to find a blaster and kind of hidden it for a moment of his choosing. Mm-hmm. And he he takes takes his advantage and uh, puts a shot into Bogaton, attempts to put a shot into the child. We see the uh, Dinjarin dive in front to block those blasts. I thought that might have been the end of Bogaton. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. I was uh, I wouldn't say like very confident, but I was pretty sure that would like it would wrap up her story nicely it would set up the mandalorian for future and that he's now potentially fulfilling in bo katan's shoes in some ways good point uh, obviously she ended up being fine at least as far as we see in the episode but it was very much not what i was expecting yeah i thought she might i be- think there's a couple things that weren't expected in this episode <laughs> we'll get to those <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm glad she's okay. Um, I, I suspect yeah. she'll be a big focus of, of season three, which I am yeah. 100% here for. Um, oh. You know, but like, oh. yeah. Okay, so so here's a, here's a question. So now you basically have Moff Gideon defeated, uh, defeated again. They're all on the bridge. And then you have the Dark Troopers again now reboarding the ship because, yes, Stephen, they were sucked out. And then naturally you figure they're going to be coming back. So they're all back on, and I think Gideon took very, um, uh, very um, sadistic was, pleasure in saying he was enjoying a full it. battalion. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, you've got a full battalion coming back on. Do you seriously think you'll be able to take them on? And and just just see them in that that firing stance on the bridge, ready to take them on, and they're banging on the door and banging on the door and banging on the door. And then you got Grogu, just all of a sudden, kind of like. What did you what what did you make of that where he all of a sudden just kind of like perked up and yeah. <sighs> so we knew a Jedi was coming. 
Yeah, we knew somebody was coming. I, at I'll this honest, point, who did you think it was? I had kind of forgotten. Oh, you did? Okay. I, you... I mean, I like I remember that we, you know, the master had been called to, but I had forgotten that that, like, I figured we might find out who it was, I think. I don't think I expected anyone to, I don't know, make an appearance, as you might say. I mean, yeah, like, we See, got these I... hints that something was coming, and then the X-Men right. shows up. And I'm like, okay, it could be anyone. Right, and you, you know, mm-hmm. we, uh, just just a couple weeks ago, two weeks two weeks ago, we speculated who could it be, right? Uh, there were many right. many options, um, and like personally, as I was watching, I'm like, okay, it's an X wing, so it's someone with the Republic, uh, the New Republic, uh, or affiliated in in some way, but all Jedi are. See, and and hang on a second, for me, I thought it was the guy who gave um, Cara Dune her badge, because remember he's uh, shown up a couple times. I mean, those X wing pilots have shown up a Captain couple Tim. times, uh-huh. so you figure that when you see a single X wing, you're just like, okay, here he comes, you know, something's going on. He was patrolling, you know, the, the, the area. And he saw this. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to come here and see what's going on. I was like, it would have been really funny if, you know, Dave Filoni gets out of the X wing and it turns out <laughs> that Dave Filoni was the Jedi master the whole time. Oh my gosh. That would have been so funny. That would have um, been hilarious. Uh, but no, it's you know a, a different Jedi. I don't think one anyone cares about. So no, he's you know he's you know, he's, he's he's of no consequence. Um, yeah, and I just love the way they revealed it, right? Because first you see a Jedi in black robes mm-hmm. on a black and white monitor. Okay, could yep. be anyone, right? You don't even know it's black black robes. It could be anyone. It's just a black and white monitor. Uh, and then we saw the black robes, and I got a little suspicious. And then I thought I saw glimpses of a black glove on on, on a hand. Yes, you did. No, There's no, no, the glimpses of a black glove. There's, yep. yes, I think for did. me, for me, it was the moment when you see the lightsaber, and I'm like, I know that lightsaber. I have a replica of that lightsaber. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When, <laughs> it, first, it's, it's a, first it's a blade on the screen. First, it's a blade on the, on the, on the, on the, on the security screen. And then, and then you see it's a green blade. And then it pans down, you see the handle. At, at that point, I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, my they're, gosh. They're doing it. <laughs> they're doing it. Yeah. And yeah, then I I even after all ahead. that I'm like, okay. Well, he's going to have his his hood on the whole time. You're not actually going to it's it's Luke. It's got to be Luke. It's definitely Luke. Yep. He's got the glove, he's got the black robes, he's got the lightsaber. It's Luke's lightsaber handle. But there, there's no way they're going to see his face. And then he he comes down that hallway in a Rogue One Vader in the hallway style yep. moment. Just so, so perfect. Decimating the dark troopers, like crunching them with the force. Oh, just, uh, that, really? that is oh. honestly, I, I will say this. That is something that was lacking. I, th- that is definitely something that was lacking in, in the, the, the sequel trilogies is something like this. Because that that just that was really something that I think a lot of people were expecting, and Luke in his prime. you got it here. Yeah, and it's yeah. something we never have to prime. see, right? We say we see an older yeah. Luke, and we see young Luke in the the original trilogy. But by the time he gets to Return of the Jedi, we see him in Jabba's palace, and we see him right. in uh, you know in, uh, in on the Death Star two. Yeah. But we never really get to see Luke after that. And so this yeah. really delivers, you know, and it and, felt and, and so this, much like the old EU Luke to me. Yeah. And this, this was, this was Luke Skywalker, Jedi master. Yeah. yeah. Done. 
but I still never thought we'd see his face. And then he gets I, to the front <laughs> and he pulls down the hood and actually talks. And it's Mark Hamill voicing him. And he looks like he's right out of Return of the Jedi. Yep. I was floored. I literally yeah. had tears. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was watching it with my fiance and she turns, she's just like wiping the tears off my face, you know? <laughs> like I, I can hardly see through like the, the, like, oh, I was just so overwhelmed with like emotion, seeing Luke Skywalker back in 2020, like he was in 1983. Yeah. Oh. How, how, did, how did you guys react? About the same. I would say no tears, but this, uh, <laughs> right out of legends is about the right description yeah it is i don't know i I don't even know what to say like it is an immensely powerful sequence to see uh i mean luke in his prime is what it is like if you think about the luke we saw for the most part like actually let's so let's run back through luke in episode four doesn't know what he's doing luke Mm -hmm. in episode five has started training we get to see him uh, not do so well against, you know, someone like uh, Darth Vader. Still kind of getting, you can tell he knows which end of a lightsaber to use now, but still <laughs> still getting there. Episode six, most of what we see of Luke is Luke versus Darth Vader. Yeah. We don't see him do a ton with the lightsaber or, you know, show, I guess I take it back. We see a little bit of Luke on Jabba's sail barge. Mm-hmm. That's about the most, <coughs> excuse me. The most Luke that we see, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. He does a good job, but this is this is Luke the Jedi Master, mm-hmm. and it is. I appreciated that it's it's not Jedi Master. I'd say in the sense of uh, like what we see in you know one, two, and three. He's yeah. not running around, you know, doing flips or anything like that. It is just a showing measured, yeah. steady. Yep, Luke Skywalker. Yep. And absolutely not showboating at all, just getting the job done and taking names. It was it was one of the coolest things I I mean I I to all of you who were able to see it, it crashed the Disney server at midnight when this thing dropped. Yeah. Because it I took me about that. 5 minutes. Yeah, it took me 5 minutes to actually get on and I actually ended up watching it on my iPad instead of the computer because I was going back and forth between the two. So for me, it was that late at night. Uh, I didn't have anybody sitting here wiping tears from my eyes, but I was sitting here stunned on my iPad going and trying not to wake up people in the house because I wasn't going to be sitting here screaming and yelling because I was stunned they were able to pull this off and make it work so well. Never in a million years did I think they would actually show Luke. I thought they might. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they might. we, We thought like, well, Luke's the logical choice this time in this era right and we speculate it could be luke but like nah there's no way it could be luke there's no way they can't they couldn't do luke because mark hamill's too old they probably don't want to recast him there hasn't been any leaks about it do you really want to go there um would you recast him just for a show but i think i mentioned if they were to recast the perfect person would have been sebastian stan and he does look good he does look good i think he he looks he looks enough but to, to pull it off this way was outstanding but you know, I think people probably could have expected it could have been a different Jedi and then just mentioned, oh, I'm going to I'm going to take him to the Luke Skywalker Jedi Academy over on planet blah, 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 you know, because that that probably would have been an easier way to go instead of doing this. But to really pull this off, 
they went the perfect way of bringing mm-hmm. a perfect in his prime Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And you know, I I think there's there's two things that made it perfect. Uh, one was the fact that he was voiced again by Mark Hamill, and I was trying to real yep. trying to figure out. I sus- I some of that's new dialogue. Some I think was cut from previous films, or at least it felt like it because some of the dialogue was very short. It felt kind of like a Leia, you know, in um, uh, a, a, a Leia in the the Rise of Skywalker type of mm-hmm. type of thing, right? Where it some of the dialogue just wasn't a hundred percent, but it was good enough that I didn't really care. Um, I- but other dialogues seem brand new, and I'm almost positive that Mark Hamill came back and reprised his role, and he did a phenomenal job sounding 40 years younger. Oh, yeah. Like, well, guys if you told me it was recorded 40 years, years ago, I would have believed you. Yeah. Um, and then and then uh, they 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 did not recast, thankfully. They got, they, they got Mark Hamill, and they, they de-aged him digitally. And with Max Lloyd Jones serving as his body double, which I thought looked pretty darn good. It's not perfect, right? Yeah. It's 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 like I think it was better than Leia in Rogue One. Absolutely, I'd agree with you on that one. And you know, Tarkin in Rogue One was also really good. I think Tarkin looked better than Leia personally. I think he was on the he's probably on par with Tarkin for me, where he looks good ninety eight percent of the time. There's some. Like his mouth doesn't move quite as much as I thought it should have in one or two scenes. That I think is what threw me off the most is the the mouth movement seemed a little bit off. Yeah. And I actually, yeah. I was not sure if it was Mark Hamill until I saw his name in the credits. And I, I don't think that would have been an issue normally. I think with the de-aging, I think is part of what contributed to my, like it felt a, a little bit weird to me, hmm. um, but that's also okay. But yeah, but like, you know, it, while there was a hint of weirdness to it, I will take that any day to have Luke Skywalker with the voice and face of Mark Hamill sitting there on screen again, looking 37 years younger. Yep. It was Absolutely. amazing. And I will take Absolutely. a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of Uncanny Valley, because I could, I could believe it. I could believe that it was Luke. So I think... Th- I want to talk about a different aspect of this, which I, I've seen some discussion of, and I'm curious to get both of your thoughts. Was including a look in your, in both of your opinions, a good idea? Because the only thing people talked about with this episode was Luke. And it's for good reason. Um, but I'm reminded of, I think it was, uh, was it, is it Michael Arhu, I believe, who was one of the original kind of pen writers for episode seven, who mentioned that the one of the struggles they had in writing episode seven is the moment Luke comes on screen, he takes away from everything else because okay. Luke trivializes all problems. Uh, and that is, to be fair, exactly what he did in this episode. Okay. And I'm okay but... with it, but I'm curious to hear how you both think about it and approach it. Uh, 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 William, do you mind if I go first? Please. Okay. Um, I don't think he took anything away from being in there. I think if Pedro Pascual, Pascal didn't pull off the acting he did with the helmet off mm-hmm. and him giving up Grogu to basically tell him, it's okay, go, 
you'll be fine. If that, if that was at any point cheesy, fake, non-believable, then I would say yes. Bringing in Luke Skywalker into the series was just to pull off something that didn't work. But to have uh, to have Grogu sit there, and, and you knew what was coming when Grogu was basically basically petting the helmet uh, of Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. You knew the helmet was going to come off. And then the acting that that had to be done with, you know, the, the child hand on the face and that look of, you know, if any of that was not believable, then this was stunt to have Luke Skywalker in there. That is my opinion. You know, for, first of all, that moment when Din Djarin takes off his helmet in front of the entire room of people... Mm-hmm just so that Grogu can see his face, basically the face of his adoptive father was just heart wrenching. It was just Pedro Pascal played it beautifully, like absolutely beautifully. Again, I had, you know, more tears. My fiance, she was also crying and she wasn't a star Wars fan before we met. She hadn't even watched star Wars. And now, you know, she's like, I can't believe I'm actually like crying over star Wars. She was like, she was that affected by this whole scene as well and um it, it was just beautifully acted and so i guess to answer your question mm-hmm. steven um i think it was the inevitable conclusion of this storyline you have this young force sensitive child and the mandalorian has been tasked with getting him back to his people that could only be the jedi Yep. And uh, I mean, I guess yep. they could they could have gone to his planet, but there was no way they're gonna like go to the planet of Yoda like beings, right? That was off the table. Right. It had to be the Jedi, and yep. it could have been Ahsoka, I guess. But really, who's who's out there leading the Jedi right now? It's Luke. He's got his Jedi Academy. He's starting up. There's really nowhere else Grogu's story could go then end up with Luke. And yes, Luke steals the show. He does he does in this case. But I think I think he was used well because mm-hmm. he was it's not like um it's not like if episode seven Luke was the focus and he's on the same team and all of a sudden he's stealing all the focus throughout the entire episode. Uh and you know you have to give Luke a challenge otherwise everything is just too easy. Yeah. Right? You know and how do you give Luke a yeah. challenge? Whereas in this episode, it's still the Mandalorian and his team, and they're dealing with these challenges, and Luke becomes the solution. Luke's yeah. Luke's rescue is what saves the Mandalorian. The fact that he's so powerful is the whole point of why Luke came. And I think from that standpoint, it makes complete sense. Um, I don't think we'll see much. I think this is the only time we'll see Luke on the show. I'd be shocked if we see him more. Uh, that I would agree I, with. I do think we'll see him again, but we'll get to that in a couple minutes. I suspect. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, but no. I, yeah. Okay. I, what's your What's your thought on this, Stephen? No, I, I actually think Tom hit the nail on the head for me. Um, which is Luke does steal the show, and the fact that uh, Din Djarin and Grogu, and like I wouldn't even say they st- steal it back, but the fact that they even got on the same page. I think mm-hmm. it's a testament to how powerful mm-hmm. 
what what they've done with those characters. Yeah, um, that the moment of you know Grogu being given up, being taking screen time away from Luke, and it being worth it, is a testament to how well they've written these characters and written what they've gone through. Because mm-hmm. um, I I don't think that's a foregone conclusion that you know if it was I don't, I'm gonna make something up like if it was Bo Katan. Uh, and Din Djarin parting ways instead, I don't think it would have, like, it, it wouldn't have landed. It wouldn't have worked. Right. Um, I do think it's, it paints themselves in, themselves into a little bit of a corner as far as what they do with Luke in the future. Um, we've talked about this before. I, like, one of my favorite things about Legends was watching the adventures of Luke's Jedi Academy, and that's built up, and the Jedi are rediscovered and rebuilt. And, it is hard to see a credible uh, story. I feel like around that now with the Luke that we just saw because he's because they d- digital he, or interesting. No, no, no. The, the digital is just a it's a technology thing. Um, I think it looked a little bit odd, um, particularly around the mouth. But like that's fine. I'm not worried about that at all. Like whether you recast it, whether you just have Mark Hamill and makeup and make him a little bit younger, kind of like how we see in eight. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've. They've set themselves up for a challenge where I don't know what story you can tell with Luke that is interesting. Okay, he is, but he is very, very strong at this point. How did that? Well, but here, here's mm, okay. Okay, here, here's a question I want to ask. Why do we want to hear that story? Why, I, why, you know, because because the the one the one thing that I keep seeing uh, uh, on the net is just like you know he's going to fail. Okay, you know what? So, that's how many years down the road. But but why why at some point, let's say at this juncture, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Why do we want to see that story with Luke Skywalker? I mean, because Luke you is know, one I, of my favorite characters, and I always want to see more stories with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh, and, and and I totally that's, get it. I think, and and I get it. I think probably the 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 better way to handle that would be in book form again. Because that way you don't uh, have to worry about bringing I mean, Mark Hamill back in. I, regardless, I, so the the issue that I think I have is a where the setting has already been a little bit constrained. Not just in terms mm-hmm. of we know what happens to the academy, but right, we're limited in the size of the threats that can show up in this p- time period because none of it has any impact by the time we get to seven, eight, and nine. The and what we've seen, like we at this point, the empire is more or less defeated. Uh, right. Like the aftermath trilogy, and all of the books and things we've seen thus far yeah. have kind of put that to uh, that that's been written down in pen, right? Which means we're localized threats is how I think of them. Things like this, um, you know, Moff Gideon, he doesn't have a fleet of star destroyers at his back, but I think we need. I need to see the fleet of star destroyers in order to feel like Luke has any chance of failing at anything. But here's the thing. It's already been established that the Republic knows something's going on in the Outer Rim. We do know there's a series coming uh, forward for you know the 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 Rangers series is going to come forward. Sure. And they've also stated, and I think it was Favreau or somebody said that the Mandalorian is going to start piecing together the threads to the First Order. Now, in my opinion. When you look at the Jedi Academy, the Jedi Academy, to me, doesn't have anything to do with the First Order at all. Unless, of course, somehow they were going to throw a Sith into this. Which it looks like there will not be another Rule of Two Sith happening. 
Okay, so to me, the Jedi Order is out training, rebuilding themselves, doing whatever to the side. I'm looking at, you know, the 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 Ranger series that's coming to see the threads of the building of the First Order. Sure, that's so, what I'm I, looking at. I I also think that will happen. I just I don't see Luke playing a major role in that, which is fine. And, and, he and, like, and he should play a major role in that. Right, and that's uh, kind of what I'm looking at. Unless, of course, like I said, unless, of course, somehow they were to bring a Sith into this, which I don't think that's going to happen. No, and I think, Stephen, you, you bring up a, a, an excellent point. And I think, I guess I just kind of assumed that was baked in at this point um, and, and, and kind of, fair. you know, like, mm. yes, Luke is a Jedi Master. I guess there could have been a world where maybe we, his power continues to grow over the course of 10, 15 years, and... You know, I I would there might still be threats that could he could try to face in the interim. But you're right, they can't be galaxy uh, changing. They can't be that massive. And and you know he's already so powerful. There's not a lot that he can fight that would like pose a a threat to him. Right. And so if they were to tell a story, I think they would either be localized threats that were unique in some way or. It's more about his training the next generation of Jedi, and maybe he's sitting there as a master, yeah. you know, training a, a a new group of like you know, the the Kyle Katarns of the world, or almost like a, I almost think of like the Young Jedi Knights uh, book mm-hmm. series where he's he's Luke's a character in them, but he's he's more of the the, the master sitting in the background, but still young right. and in his prime and able to kind of come in and help when needed, but he he can't be the you can't have a folk a series just about Luke, right? And then yeah, that, and that's I, when I get back to yeah. probably the best thing about that would be a book series. I wouldn't uh, again. You never know what's going to happen in the future, but I think that would be better off as a book series, like we had in the you know now, you know, not even their universe. But I'd rather see it that way than as as a show. I agree. Now that doesn't mean we couldn't see an animated series about Luke's Jedi Academy. I still think an animated series about Luke's Jedi Academy would be really cool and fit nicely in with not having to reuse, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about digitally de-aging Luke all the time uh, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Mark uh, Hamill can voice the character and, again. And yeah, you, could, you could have Grogu in it. Like, I wonder if this is like a, a, a jumping off point for another series. Cause Luke offers to train Grogu and Grogu leaves with him. And, and an interesting point is he even says, I will give my life to protect the child, but he'll not be safe until he masters his abilities. Right. What do we think happens to Grogu? Like, is All this right, the end ready? of the... All right, so we're, I'm gonna... I, I tease both of you, and for everyone who's listening, I have not told Tom or William either of this, even in our chat after the episode. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on a little bit here. And this is, I will mention some things that we'll need to talk about in more depth in a moment. Um, But the, here are the facts that I'm looking at. Grogu is now with Luke. Mm -hmm. Grogu is also, uh, I don't know if I would call him a fundamental part of the show, but he's pretty close. Um, And I think Disney, Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni know that Grogu has mass appeal. But I don't think we see (laughs) Grogu show up in the at the beginning of the next season mm-hmm. I, just, I don't see how they that i feel like that ruins what we just had mm-hmm. um but i also have a little bit of trouble seeing them 
go a too long without Grogu mm-hmm. and B telling a bunch of story without Grogu. Cause I think Din Djarin and the man and Grogu are kind of pretty t- closely tied together. Totally agree. My expectation. Oh, uh, sorry. The last, the last pick piece here is we have, uh, the book of Boba Fett as a, a post credit tease mm. for, you know, the end of the, at the end of the show. Right. My, we'll talk about Book of Boba Fett more in a moment. My pet theory at the moment is I think we're going to take a step away from Din Djarin for a little bit. I don't, maybe just a season, could be two seasons. And that's, we get our, our Boba Fett sideline effectively. And I think that lets them evolve the story to a point. Cause we're not, I don't think they're also like, I don't see them ready to go and, you know, assault Mandalore right now either. No. So that gives them a little bit of time to move the story forward, move the, t- or not even the story, move the timeline forward to a time when maybe Yoda's been training, or sorry, Yoda, maybe Grogu's <laughs> been training for a year or two. And then that bring, gives him, he's a little bit older, Jin Djarin and Bo-Katan have been up to some sets of things. And that gives them time, I don't know, maybe season four, season five, where we can now rejoin that story. Hmm. And that season three of The Mandalorian is the book of Boba Fett. Um, okay. There's I think a, there's we better a whole lot get into there. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I think we better get into the, the, the post credit scene because I will be honest. As soon as the credits rolled, I went straight to bed because I had to go to work. The, uh, no, wait a minute. It was fr- yeah, I had to go to work the next day because I did see it basically Thursday night. Friday so you, morning. Mi- you missed the post the post credit scene? Yes. And, oh. and here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I did not get upset when I started reading spoilers on the internet about what happened. Not like the last time I let go because somebody started posting spoilers and that's why I was staying up until after midnight to watch the show on Thursday night. But yes, I did miss the after credit scene. I felt fine about it. I got home, watched the episode, and then went straight to the after credit scene. And let's start talking about that right now because I have my feeling about it as well. So the credits finish rolling and this is the first time the Mandalorian has done a post credits scene and we see Jabba's palace with Fennec Shand and Boba Fett arriving in a very return of the Jedi like sequence, like even Mm -hmm. the the Gamorrean guard rolling down the steps, like when Bush enters. Um, And we find out that Bib Fortuna is now running the show. He's really let himself go. Um, oh boy, he yeah. let himself go, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and is now saying McClunky as well, and uh, basically like we see him like free the the slave dancer, and then um, and then Boba Fett kills oh, God Bib Fortuna, takes the throne for himself, sits on the dais, and just a fantastic shot, just just oh. that whole thing. Uh, I I just I love basically the last words of Bib Fortuna. Boba, I thought you were yeah. dead. I'm so glad to see you. I heard many rumors and <laughs> boom. Just and then he like sits on his on the dais with Fennec like perched next to him, drinking spotchka, and boom, the book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. Okay, what the heck is the book of Boba Fett? I agree that- with Stephen. <laughs> That was my question. <laughs> but I, I I agree with Steven. I don't... 
you never know what's going to happen next year because it is 21. I'm not going to go into the bad joke I could go to right now. But I think this is basically the third season of Mandalorian. I think it is going to be the book of Boba Fett. I think that's what they're going to title it. And it you could say it's a spin-off series, but it's still the Mandalorian, but it revolves around Boba Fett because he is still quote unquote a Mandalorian. Oh, I so I disagree. Um, oh, you do. Okay, so I mean they so, could go okay. that route. They could. I can't see them doing that because the Mandalorian really? Din Djarin is the centerpiece of the show. Now, I don't know what they do without Grogu. And I think you're right, Stephen, in that I think Grogu will come back a, a, a little bit later into the season. But I can't. I don't think they can pivot completely away and make it now the Boba Fett show. There have been rumors that they were making a Boba Fett show. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of people were surprised when Kathleen Kennedy did not announce it as part of the massive, massive dump of, of new Star Wars projects that are coming. Um, but I can't see them pivoting it to, to be all about Boba Fett when it is the Mandalorian. There's a lot of plot threads left over with Mandalore with like Bo-Katan even says, Hey, when you finish your, your, your quest, which he's done now, he's done, um, you know, we need your help. We hope you would reconsider helping us take Mandalore. I don't but, I think I think they would do a limited series before they did a uh uh before they instead rather than just pivoting the Mandalorian to a new character. But but could it do you could, mm, <clears throat> just the, the, I I'm, I'm 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 trying to justify it part of being at a season 3 because yes it could focus on Boba Fett but that doesn't mean you get rid of Din Djarin. Din Djarin I, uh, can still can still be a part of it. I oof, I don't. So, I I I find I would find that a very bold step, given how popular this show has become. And yes, mm-hmm. Boba Fett is a very popular character. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I think getting rid of taking your the the titular character of <laughs> right and and sidelining him. Um, well, especially for a character it would be who, two. You, you look at two because you look at Grogu. And the Mandalorian. Well, exactly, right? So you would lose yeah. Grogu. You would lose the Mandalorian. Um, maybe Grogu comes back later, but at that point, it's a very different show. And maybe they're maybe they're willing to take that big of a risk and do it. Um, I, I, I struggle to see them doing that. Now, in your defense, or to, you know, to, to your point, um, Kathleen Kennedy, also the... the 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 end credits did call it the book of Boba Fett. And the word book right. is an interesting word choice. And on top of that, uh, you know, cause like, cause every episode of the Mandalorian is called chapter of whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. There are chapters in books. So maybe it means a different, you know, a d- book is a different installment. Um, and like is book of Boba Fett. Is that a brand? Is that the actual name of a show or just like a more of a, um, a, an unofficial title? potentially for the season if they did go that route maybe and Kathleen Kennedy did say she was kind of vague remember during the Disney investor day a week and a half ago she they they talked about the Mandalorian season two and kind of recapped what had happened and then they talked they announced the Rangers of the New Republic and then they announced the Ahsoka show and then Kathleen Kennedy which was an odd choice went kind of back to the Mandalorian and said 
the next chapter starts December 25th, 2021. She didn't say mm-hmm. the Mandalorian specifically. She said the next chapter, we all assumed it meant the Mandalorian. So there's some weirdness going on there. But my personal theory is that this is a a new series or a limited series or maybe even a special movie. Um, or maybe it's the Mandalorian colon the Book of Boba Fett or something. And, and we get season three because like they, they've announced how it's, it's coming out Christmas 2021. So what if we get season three again, starting in October running through December 18th and then December 25th, we get a, a limited series uh, that runs immediately either concurrently or immediately after season three. That's my prediction. I, I think yours is more likely. Yeah, honestly, no, talking about it. But I'm, I'm not. I'm. St- I would still bet on mine. I think on Book of Boba Fett being because I, I, I think you're both right and wrong. I don't think uh, the Mandalorian Din Djarin is as critical to the show as I think you think he is. I, I think he's an awesome character. I look forward to seeing more of him. Uh, I think they've already proven, uh, to in the in the words of a famous Jedi, uh, I think you underestimate John Favreau's power. Yep. Well, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Yeah, I I I I I I, I could I could see it to where if they do the season three as the book of Boba Fett that Din Djarin and Bo-Katan and maybe the Liberation Mandalore will play some part in that season. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean Boba Fett would be pushed in the back burner. They could always have him, let's say, you know, if you're looking at a strong character, he could be the strong character, then Din Djarin, then Bo-Katan. I mean, who's to say that going into season three, Bo-Katan could maybe loosen up on Boba Fett. She could have Boba Fett there to, with the liberation of Mandalore, that type of thing. Um, Cause they're still, they're still, they're setting up a dark saber duel. If Bo-Katan's not going to take that saber like she did in rebels, then there has to be some kind of duel because as of this point, Din Djarin is the owner of that saber. Yeah. So and like- then you, then you've got, Bo- then you got Boba Fett. So where, I don't know, but Boba Fett's got to play in there somewhere. <laughs> Clever, Tom. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, you're that right. That was like, horrible, but clever. I like, know. Thank you. Like, season three has to address Boba Fett. They have yes. to address the Darksaber issue with Bogotan. Will they duel? Will she try to, like... I don't think she would try to kill him, but, like, how, how do they resolve that? Does he become the new ruler of Mandalore, the new Mandalore? Um, do we see the liberation of Mandalore? Will we get Grogu? Will we see more Luke? I don't think we'll see more Luke, but maybe no. he'll appear briefly. Also, like, will we ever get confirmation of what Grogu's blood was used for? Uh, we have suspe- our theories that it was for Snoke slash the Emperor. Um, and what about Moff Gideon? He's now in New Republic custody, presumably. What happens next? There's so many interesting open questions. And the other thing that's still and, dangling, uh-huh. the poor Razor Crest man. Well, how is how, so, how, how, how is Din Djarin going to get around without a razor crest? Well, that, that's that's a great segue because the one thing, 
because while there are lots of open questions in other ways, this episode kind of felt like a series finale. It didn't have the buildup yep. like we usually are expecting. Uh, and there are some plot threads remaining, but like they blew up the Razor Crest. We got Grogu's name. Grogu has like he's been central to the show since episode one, and he's now been delivered to his people and gone off with Luke to become a Jedi. In some ways, it kind of feel they, they've they've kind of completed the Mandalorian has completed his mission. It kind of feels like a series finale in in some mm-hmm. ways. That's a, I think they could take a year or two off on that story, build mm-hmm. out the universe a little bit, and then in true Dave Filoni fashion, make Mandalore uh, an amazing crossover epic finale. Yep, where multiple plot threads end up overlapping. Yeah, I wonder if that's that is- that's what. Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic and the Mandalorian will all cross over into the the retaking of Mandalore. I would love to see it. Ahsoka was involved in the siege of Mandalore. Yeah. The Rangers might help. And it would be fascinating to see Mandalore because Boba Fett did say supposedly it was turned to glass. So, Mm -hmm. and he's looking and and I do remember him looking at Bo-Katan saying, why do you basically want to rule over glass? You know, what, what's so, what's so big about this? But it'll be fascinating to see what happened to Mandalore. Yep. So many questions. So many questions. And you know what? We have to wait a year from what? Next week? Yeah, yeah. next week. A year from next week is when somehow, yeah. some way, some answer will start. Well, we'll have answers before unravel. that. We'll know if like book what season three of Mandalorian is before then, I assume. Would would we really? Because look at Look at how much they have kept secrecy on this project. I think they will. Uh, I think they will announce something. In, in fact, um, they just announced earlier today, uh, a little while ago, actually, as we're recording this, that um, this is you know Saturday, the the twentieth of December, um, that the they will have um, John Favreau will be on Good Morning America tomorrow morning. Uh, and well, he will. Yeah, and they typically only do that for big news of some sort. And I, I believe, um, I think it was, yeah, and Chris Argaropoulos, uh, who, is, who runs um, this publicity for a lot of the films, even said, you know, t- you should tune in to this. So hmm. Um, hmm. I have a feeling something is, is up. I have a so, feeling okay, something so- is up. So you're telling me that the first day of my vacation for the next two weeks, I need to get up early, which I was hoping uh, to sleep in. Just catch it after, Tom. It'll be okay. Uh, okay. So here's my... I don't know if I should call it... like Because obviously, you, you all talked about this much more in the previous week. But I can see... We know they're looking and trying to build a broader universe for Star Wars. A little bit, I'll say, like uh, Marvel style. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a couple of different pieces to that. We have the stuff that's coming earlier. Stuff like, uh, is it called Acolyte? I'm actually blanking. Yeah, the yes, Acolyte. That's... Acolyte is one of the shows, yes. Um, and then we got things like Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, and so on. And I wonder if we're really going to end up seeing two major plot threads moving forward. One covering the rise of the First Order uh, military, effectively. And one showing the rise, uh, well, not even necessarily rise, but the the Sith, uh, the true Sith, the Sith Empire that we see briefly in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. And things like Acolyte and Ahsoka will trace that side of the story. And things like Rangers, Mandalorian will trace the other. Potentially. I mean, See, the I, Acolyte is set way before, though. It's, it is set during the High Republic. Yeah, sure. or is the, it at the end but, of the High uh, Republic? What Somewhere is the name there. of the planet? Exegol. Mm-hmm. Exegol is an ancient Sith stronghold. That's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, okay. Yeah, that's I, true. I could see uh, a story set on how did Exegol come to be and so on. Anyway, we don't... Mm-hmm. We could talk about this endlessly. My, my meta oh. point is... I have no idea what's going to happen with the next season of Mandalorian. I don't, I still don't know what the book of Boba Fett is. I still <laughs> want to know what the book of Boba Fett is. And I feel ready to give a ratings. I don't know. How about, how about you guys? You know what? <laughs> I am totally with you right now. I think we better get on to the ratings. So, Steven, take it away. Oh, man. You just you just had to hey, put me on the spot. You you put yourself on the spot because you're the one that you're called out. Um <laughs> I'm debating, I think I just have to give it a 10 out of 10, which I don't give lightly. Um, But it was a fantastic episode. It delivered on all fronts. Um, Honestly, I think my biggest complaint is just that they kind of left us hanging with some of the plot points. Things like what's happening with the Darksaber and so on. Um, And not just in a, we'll have to figure this out later, but in a literally like, oh, we're just not going to talk about that anymore. Um, we were like in the middle of a conversation. I felt like they could have capped it off a little bit of, uh, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. Just Kabos, I'm like, you know what? We'll figure it out later. I'm not going to kill you yet. Um, but they did a fantastic job. The Dark Troopers were fantastic. Luke was fantastic. The Mandalorian was fantastic. Grogu was fantastic. Um, I, have n- I have no complaints. Um, CGI Luke looked a little bit odd. I am willing to give them a pass because, you know, you brought Luke back and that's worth a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give this, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to give this a, a perfect 10 out of 10, um, which I'm trying to remember if I've done that before and I'm not sure I have, but I, we it did, was just a fan. <clears throat> we did for last season. Well, it was only one episode where we okay. all gave it a 10. And of course, that was Deborah Chow's fantastic episode, The Sin. Uh, yes okay yeah. that was episode three i believe right yes yes yeah okay wow. uh well this one tops that one so <laughs> they did a fantastic job and i am very very happy with uh peyton reed's work here um and my 10 womp rats well you know they mentioned the dark trooper this is the the third iteration um the second iteration was uh, i guess i should start at the beginning the first iteration was humans within the suit um, and they realized that this was this was a, a weakness and this was not sufficient to make a true machine uh, that was capable of, you know, conquering the galaxy. And so in the second iteration, they got clever. They're like, you know what the problem is? Humans are too big. If we put Womp Rats inside, 10 of them per Dark Trooper suits, <laughs> then we will have the ultimate killing machine. Uh, and it turns out that 10 Womp Rats aren't very good at controlling, uh, you know, murderous robots. And uh, that, so that that kind of failed. And then they went to V3 and they eliminated the Womp Rats. And, it, you know, we saw how that worked out. Um, better, still not good enough to defeat Master Luke Skywalker. But yeah, 10 out of 10. Fantastic job. Uh, and bring me Book of Boba Fett because that was awesome. And I love that <laughs> teaser. Oh, cool. yes. I, I couldn't agree more, Steven. Like, I totally this, agree. This episode was just phenomenal on every level the tension the 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 just you, you could you could the 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 threat of the dark of the dark troopers uh the the battle with the dark saber i feel like it delivered on every every level you know when luke comes the that that 
that kind of the, the, the question like who wait, who could this be and then the moment when you realize it's luke freaking skywalker and you're just like oh my gosh this this is everything i've always dreamed of but never ever, ever thought we would see again and like cara dunes uh her comment when when luke arrives before they know who it is and she's like one x-wing great we're saved you know in a sarcastic way it's like oh little did she know who who this is and we didn't talk about like r2d2 was in the episode r2d2 oh man you, you yeah. took away what i was gonna uh, do with my want breath oh uh, well you can still do it tom um but like our, the fact r2d2 is just ah uh, i love r2 i wonder what he said to grogu um it's just don't so listen great. to this guy i will train you <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and if you uh, run across this big golden droid totally ignore him too oh uh, there's just so much potential like the episode was amazing luke i like i said i i i had tears in my eyes seeing luke again and seeing grogu leave and it was it was as good of, it was so good of an episode even my fiance had tears in her eyes which doesn't happen for star wars and so like so so amazing um i just think it, it, they nailed it on on every level. I'm really interested to see what happens to Grogu and where, where they take this in the future. I hope he isn't at Luke's Jedi Academy when um, Ben turns the dark side in 15 years and uh, 14 years, whatever it is, I mean, and starts murdering everyone. Why Why do you think Luke went into hiding? Jin Jarn was coming. <laughs> ah, good point. Good point. Oh, retcon. Um, but no, like, and, and Luke says he'll protect Grogu with his life. So I I can't I can't see the imagine this is the end of the last we've seen of Grogu, just given how big he is when he maybe gets his own spinoff show, you know, the young mm-hmm. Jedi Knights, except Grogu is the focus. I don't know, but this episode was amazing. Um, I'm here for it. I loved it. And I, I can't not give it 10 out of 10 Womp Rats as well. Uh, it was just, it was just perfect. It, it's everything I've, I've wanted. Um, and my 10 Womp Rats, well, um, before when Luke got the call from Grogu, uh, you know, while Grogu was on the st- seeing stone, uh, Luke was actually back home blasting Womprats in his, in his T-16 and happened to blast <laughs> 10 Womprats in a row and, uh, got a perfect score. And that's when he heard the call and immediately started flying off. You know, Tatooine is pretty ro- remote. So it took him a little while to mm. get to, uh, to Moff Gideon's ship. Uh, but those 10 Womprats were... Yeah, it's I mean, target practice. Just, just think, because Luke doesn't know where the cruiser is. So I just have True. to imagine Luke, he's in his X-Wing, he drops out of hyperspace and is like, okay. And he, I'm, I'm pointing. He's like, that way. Turns exactly. the ship, jumps into light speed and comes out. He's like, nope, now it's the other way. Okay, I must have gone too far. <laughs> and he knows the galaxy's big place. Space is big. It takes a while. Yeah. Also, yeah, also, I have to just, we have to just talk briefly about the fact that we now have a, an episode of Star Wars in which Luke Skywalker is hanging out with the Mandalorian, Bo-Katan from the Clone Wars, a baby Yoda, um, and... Uh, a rebel rebel shock trooper. A rebel, well, just, but just think, like, did we ever think Bo-Katan would meet Luke Skywalker? No, not no. in a million years. No. I never thought we'd see Bo-Katan and Luke Skywalker on screen together. Yeah. Never. And the fact that, like... You know, like they we just saw Ahsoka a little while ago. Like Ahsoka's running around at the same time as Luke. We now just a couple episodes apart have seen them. The Mandalorian has met I mean, both Luke and Ahsoka. Wow. Just think, Luke <sighs> Skywalker and Boba Fett 
almost met again. And how yeah. awkward would yes. that be? Because, uh, you know. I thought you were dead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Didn't like, I knock you into a pit? The, you know, like, oh, the, there's so much potential here. Is so mm-hmm. much. I never thought we'd see these these eras crossed over in this way like we like we have. Um, and that uh, that to me are people who I okay. The best thing I saw on, on the internet was basically these two kids with this uh, at at and all these Star Wars toys and their faces are lit up with like joy and above their heads are like John Favreau and Dave Filoni <laughs> writing Star Wars. They were given this big universe to play in. And you want to talk about two guys who have been able to play with these characters as toys and make a great story out of it. This is amazing and make it work. Great to be a Star Wars fan at this point. All right, but Tom, I don't think we got your score, right? No, no. And you guys have said everything to this point to where I don't know if I can add anything to it other than what I just said about the gift that I saw on the internet of Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau. So I have to agree with you. We're giving this tens across the board. This was so cool. And you know what? And this is where you took my thunder, William, when it came to R2-D2, because I was going to sit there and say it was actually the 10 Womp Rats who were jumping for joy when R2-D2 came around Luke Skywalker. They actually ran up to him, kind of pushed Grogu out of the way and wanted his autograph because they were so excited to see him on the screen. you know. And then when you had R2 sit there looking down at Grogu and they're like chattering back and forth, these Womp Rats were behind him going, me, me, give me an autograph, give me an autograph, you're back, you're back. So anyway, <laughs> that, that's what my 10 Womp Rats were doing. They actually lived. Yeah. Oh, well... I think uh, this is just quite an episode to end on. Um, and, you know, the, the best part is we're actually not done with The Mandalorian. Well, the, the story is is on hiatus for, for a year. Mm-hmm. Next week, uh, we're actually getting the, the first episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian Season 2, uh, which will dive behind the scenes into the, the series. So that was officially confirmed. It just starts uh, just next week on Christmas Day. Uh, and I can't wait. Like I loved the first season, Disney Gallery. The it was a phenomenal documentary, and just given the momentous things that happen in this season, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. So that that starts next week. Um, we're going to take a couple weeks off, and uh, we'll probably come back with our Mandalorian recap of season two. Wow, what a what an amazing, amazing season! What an ending. What a, yeah, what a way to wrap up a year. Ah, this is this was phenomenal. It's everything we've ever wanted. Yep. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, Merry Christmas, and uh, we will talk to you all soon. All right, hold on a second, William. Just take the take your finger off the, the outro music. Not yet. We have a couple more things to talk about because, of course, we finished our episode. We were all good to go. And then John Favreau has to go on Good Morning American, blow up all of my theories. I was right, and he changed it because he heard <laughs> Steven. the recording. Admit it, give it up. I was right. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. I I realized John Favreau, and I'm air quoting here, is the executive producer or whatever. But hey, clearly, Book of Boba Fett is <laughs> Chapter Three of The Mandalorian. I don't care what he says. 
but we should probably talk about what he said because maybe his opinion is slightly more valid than mine. Yeah, so you know, it's it's funny. We um we all we were about ready to publish the episode. And we're like, you know what? Let's just hold off because we knew the Good Morning America segment was coming. As we talked about, uh, we originally recorded this episode last night, and and we knew the Good Morning America segment was going to come, but we didn't know what was officially going to be. And um, uh, thanks to the forest who didn't get the episode published right away as we usually do. And as a result, we had an opportunity to kind of come back and briefly discuss um, the news before we all go uh, off on our, our breaks for the rest of the year. So the, the big announcement, the book of Boba Fett is a standalone series um, and it, it's set within the timeline of The Mandalorian and stars Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, as we kind of guessed. Executive produced by Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni, and joining as executive producer, Robert Rodriguez, who directed the fantastic Chapter 14. And that's what has me excited, because I liked his style. A lot of people, I saw it on the internet, I think a lot of people are kind of like, Eh, on how he directs really i loved it i i know i i'm not saying that i'm saying i've i saw it on the internet there were some people that kind of thought it was a little cheesy it was a little this a little that but i literally thought it worked because if you understand the movies he's done before and you understand his style that's his style and that's what i'm looking forward to to see what he brings into the book of boba fett in that style steven yeah, i think it's a good choice yeah yeah uh, i do i do too he's He's demonstrated competence, and uh, yeah, I think we've got a good idea to begin with. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they've got a they've got a winning formula in Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, and I think it it'll only get better. So absolutely, hundred percent on board, and looking forward to it. Yeah, and I'm I am very glad that this is not a pivot for the Mandalorian. It is a dedicated spinoff series. This is Jay Filoni and John Favreau's fourth series in two years the third that's been announced in one week those guys have got to be so busy i'm so just busy but also floored. take a look at take a look at what they're giving us i mean they're giving us stories that are so much fun to watch so well written and and even a, a radio show that i was listening to last night they were gagaing over this last uh uh, Mandalorian episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it was a, it was a nationally syndicated radio program. And at the end of the end of the program, they spent like 10 minutes talking about, it. you're like, they, they, they've got a total winning combination with these guys in charge of this live action part. Yeah. And you know, we talked about how like Dave Filoni needs to have a movie or whatever. I mean, at this point, like he's controlling four different live action Star Wars series at once. The, the guy well, but is, also- Oh, Bad I'm Batch so too. Well, yeah, we we don't know what what his level of involvement is in the Bad Batch, but right. Either way, I'm really excited. I'm glad that it's not a, a pivot; it's a separate series. What will be interesting, though, is when the Mandalorian will return with season three. Mm. Uh, they during the interview with uh, Good Morning America, John Favreau said that they will be entering production on season three after. Um, after the book of Boba Fett. Now, it sounds like it may have already been in production uh, mm. under the guise of the Mandalorian, where some people are, oh, they're working on the Mandalorian, it was actually the book of Boba Fett. Um, and so they're able to kind of sneak that production in. Um, but 
it's they've confirmed that production will start on the Mandalorian season three next year, but not when. And I was trying to think how long it took them to film seasons one and two. We know they finished season two like a couple of days before COVID started last March. Mm-hmm. I don't know when they started filming though, uh, and and so you know it, it's very possible that we might see the Mandalorian start much later. And maybe, maybe we don't mm. see the Mandalorian all next year. Maybe it starts early 2022, 2022? trying to get my year straight. Yeah, maybe like J- January or even a March 2022 after the end of either. Will, will, the question is, will they air concurrently or overlap? Or will the Mandalorian start after the Book of Boba Fett finishes? What do you guys think? I'm going to guess after. And I, I yeah. think what we're going to end up seeing, and this is... I think a broader Disney plus strategy, which is, I don't think they're looking to dump a bunch of content all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I think we'll see, I mean, in an ideal world, I think they would love to have a show on every week of the year, but no more, like at least one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that means just, I guess just the one, like we'll see the Mandalorian and then maybe it goes away for a couple of weeks. And then we come back in with, uh, sorry, not Mandalorian. We'll see Book of Boba Fett come back in with Mandalorian, you know, two or three weeks later, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, that's just that, that'd be my guess because I feel like that fits better with the strategy they've been working towards. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think what this does is it gives them an opportunity now that they've wrapped up this first let's let's call seasons one and two like let's say the chapter of Mandalorian because he did fulfill his mission of getting Grogu to the Jedi. So now it gives them an opportunity to say, okay. We've got the book of Boba Fett right now. We're going to write that. We're going to get that in production. But let's figure out how we're going to take the Mandalorian now in season three. Where is he going to go with that story? Are we going to actually start seeing, you know, the the Caesar Mandalore again, part two? Are we going to see him go on a different quest this time? It gets them the opportunity to really plot out the story going forward for the Mandalorian. And he can still visit in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, but it'll be super interesting. I guess, you know, they're not going to, uh, we will not, we may not be seeing the Mandalorian uh, next fall. That's the impression right. I get, at least. And I agree with that. I, I, I think, I am happy that Boba Fett is finally getting his due. He has been a very beloved character for God since the first time he came on screen. But you never got to see him be Boba Fett. You got to see him do a little bit of fighting on Jabba Skiff, and then he gets sucked into, you know, a pit. Now you actually get to see him be Boba Fett and the bounty hunter he is so famed to be. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, the thing I'm looking forward to next December, just step a scene. Maybe it's it's a little cold outside. Maybe it's snowing or, you know, up here in Washington, it's raining. You know, you're on the couch. You got a blanket to keep yourself warm. And you kick back and enjoy a nice book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Sounds pretty so perfect fun. to me. Yeah. Works here too. It's also not clear. Is it going to be a limited series or a, um, uh, or is it going to be a full series? It sounds to me like a full series based on the way they've, uh, they've written it. Um, you know, in the press release, it's a new series. Typically they would say like a new limited series. I would think if mm-hmm. it was a short term thing, but who knows? Either way, it is arriving it, December twenty December twenty twenty one. And if they keep a tour like let's say the limited series of eight episodes, works for me completely. Yeah. I am 
I'm very excited. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, with that, we will be back uh, after the new year with more uh, to talk about, lots more. We want to make sure we brought you this this last little bit of important info. Um, so, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of 2020, and we will all talk to you again very soon. Sorry. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.